It is episode number 19 of the Shutdown Inning Podcast. Steven Rizzotto here alongside, as always, Tyler Hall. Tyler, what's popping? Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, dude, it's it's baseball season now. We have actual baseball to talk about after 18 episodes of talking about baseball we wanted to see, and now we actually get to see it, man. So I am a happy camper. How about you? I am also a happy camper. It was great. Uh, we're actually recording this on on Saturday, uh, the uh, the 8th, but I was at opening day yesterday. It was fantastic. And I think the vibes of opening day, uh, and I don't think it even matters, like, you know, what team is good and what team's not, because I don't know if you saw the video of Andrew McCutcheon getting a standing ovation from a full PNC Park, a full PNC yeah. Park. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, you know, opening day is just unmatched. I mean, no matter what, you know, your it's your first game of the year for your team at home. Usually most teams at least get close to a sellout. And, you know, when you have someone like Touch coming back home, you know, it's great that he got that in front of a full house. It was really cool to see. Yeah, and of course, all the festivities. I love when they line, line up on the line and everything and uh, it, it's like it's kind of a, a time for like recognition too. like all the trainers are out there on the line and the uh, clubhouse attendants um, and everybody's kind of getting a chance to soak in the moment. And uh, I always think of the term like don't look up uh, when you get to the big leagues. You're not supposed to look up because there's like two extra decks. And uh, a lot of those yeah. people got to soak in and, and see a full crowd. And I think the, you know, the Giants rolled out the red, the orange carpet. That was cool. Uh, and I think all the the home opening days are wrapped up now, but um, you know, yeah, usually by the third series, they try to get everyone home by then. Um, you don't want players doing opening day lineups until <laughs> end of April. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just cool to you know everyone, like you said, everyone gets that recognition. You kind of get to see how many people are in the clubhouse to make a, a season happen. And also just like a lot of those, you know, a lot of people making their major league debut and like, yep. you know, their first opening day. And that's kind of always, that's always cool to see for me. Cause you know, that guys have been working towards that for their whole career and you know, they get to see that dream become a reality. Yeah. And just to add off that for a second, it's different when like a guy like Jordan Walker in St. Louis opens up, you know, on the road or something in you know Milwaukee. Let's use that as an example. Uh, and then I, you know, it's probably cool for him playing in his first big league game, playing in his first big league games. But I think it is different when they go, uh, like you mentioned, when they finally go home and he gets to be introduced in front of his home crowd. Um, so just, you know, using Jordan Walker as an example, I think that's really awesome. And, you know, for us particularly, we have more to talk about. It's not just the finding top fives for offseason stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's awesome to be watching games and, and just kind of seeing who's doing what this year. Obviously, it's still very early, but, you know, uh, it's just interesting to see how some of these teams are getting out of the gates, some a little faster than others, some a little slower than expected. But, I mean, I think obviously the one that jumps off the page, at, I think both of us is the the Tampa Rays. Are, are they they're going by Tampa Bay Rays now? Or are they just the Tampa Rays? But the Rays down in 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 florida you know they're starting seven and oh they're uh I, I just read before we hopped on they're the first team to start seven and oh winning each game by four or more runs which is impressive uh you know uh wander franco is off to a, a tear tearing start it's good to hopefully he can stay healthy because he's been you know one of the top prospects in the game for a long time and you know but always been kind of banged up and he is you know showing that he's a five-tool player right now um have you been able to watch much of the Rays down there? Yeah, a little bit. They are the story of the sport. And like one guy that I'm like very excited to see with Tampa Bay, who I think is just, you know, the WBC brought out just the total star in him and the, the postseason two to some extent. But now everybody knows who he is. Randy Rosarena is also on that team. Yeah. And he's a big part of that, uh, you know, their their early success there. You know, he's hitting 360 in the early goings. I was just looking at their, um, you know, when you brought up the Rays, I was looking at their uh team offense and you know that they have like five they, they have five different guys with an ops above a thousand and like a decent number of plate appearances too so it's like they are mashing and like that's not even the part of the rays that we normally are used to seeing we're used to seeing like the pitching depth and they have that too with mcclanahan 
and I picked up Jeffrey Springs uh, on one of my Springs is on a roll right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what a good story is Jeffrey Springs. He's 30 years old. He uh, doesn't have a ton of big league success prior to last season and the year before. He was kind of a reliever with the Rays, but he came up uh, in the big leagues for the first time with the Rangers and then bounced around with the Red Sox. But we love the journeyman people, but their pitching is really good. And yeah, they've been really impressive. Yeah, you know, they're just always a team that like, no matter if you've heard of the guys or not, they just always find a way to put a good group of guys together and play winning baseball. And then, you know, I think, I don't think either of us picked them to win or to make the playoffs in our prediction show last episode, but obviously, you know, we're a week into the season, but I mean, they're showing that they're going to be a, a force to be taken seriously in the American league. Yeah. That is the prediction that, we're going to look back on and maybe cringe because yeah. you know, they have a history of being underestimated and I fear that we that may have we done fell it into again. that boat. <laughs> we, did it again. Yeah. we did watch. Well, they're going to be playing in the world series or something with yeah. Zach, Zach Eflin starting game two or something, yeah. but great. Sir. And it's always cool to see like who could stay undefeated for so long. Like remember um, not just a team thing, but like Max Scherzer, remember he started off like 15 and Oh, that one mm-hmm. year or something, and everybody's like, he's never going to lose. So, yeah. Um, and it's also fun the other way around. Like, who could have the worst record starting off the first week? Who's going to go? But nobody's is uh, is winless. So that's good, at least. Yeah, it's good to kind of see that that level ish playing field. But I think everyone was kind of surprised. To, I think the, were the Phillies the last team to win a game? I think they were the last winless team. They have a couple now. Um. But I think they were a team that most people, you know, expect to be at the top of that division or in the playoff hunt. And and they started out pretty, pretty slow, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, and they're yeah, they're big guys. Like, look at the top two guys in the rotation. They've had two starts and Wheeler has given up um, six earned runs in nine and two thirds. And Nola has given up eight in nine and two thirds. So they're pitching just their top two guys that they want to rely on to win series have not been there. So, I mean, that's definitely something. Craig Kimbrell struggled to four on runs and two and a third. So there, there's worry a little bit. And also, I think you were the one that brought it up last episode that they don't have their full group right now because there's still guys coming back. Uh, with Harper, he's going to come back. And yeah. uh, they lost Reese Hoskins. Uh, and there's somebody else that's going to come back, right? Am I forgetting someone? Um, those are the, the key yeah. ones, but I mean, but Schwarber's been off to a really cold start. Uh, he, I think he finally has a couple bombs, but he's only hitting a buck 61 and that's his on base percentage as well. He hasn't even drawn a walk yet. Wow. Um, you know, Turner and real Muto are hitting decently. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're just kind of sputtering, uh, across the board, um, right now. And so obviously, you know, they're hoping that they'll, uh, I think I think I saw Derek Hall just went on the on the on the injured list, excuse me, as well. So, you know, they're really lacking some depth there. I guess uh, I think Cody Clemens might end up seeing some time at first base uh, for for the Phillies now with uh, with Hall going down. So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, a you know, they'll put it together eventually. But how big of a hole are they going to put themselves in right now? Because the the Mets and the Braves are going to be you know, pulling away from them if they keep struggling so much. Yeah. At least Derek is the hall that's going down and not you. Yeah, so. Exactly. I'm, I'm still on the active roster for now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Trey Turner is going to have to do a lot. You know, I think that's all it comes down to, to be honest. Like, and I don't know if this is, this team is as good as I thought it would be to be honest. And I, I feel like that was even, Again, I mentioned like underestimating the Rays. I might have overestimated the Phillies. And I think I did it because they made it to the postseason last year. They made it to the World Series. They're a good story. But like, I mean, some of the regulars they have, Jake Cave's been, you know, getting, he's played in five games. Derek Hall played in six games before he got hurt. You know, these are like, and now they're going to have someone else at first base. Yeah, this is a, it's an interesting group in their bullpen. Yeah. Like, you know, it's always kind of struggled a little bit. So I don't know. I'm interested to see more of them too, too early to tell. Like we mentioned before, you can't lose or you can't win a uh, playoff series 
in April, but you could lose one. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And so I think it'll just be kind of, can they stop taking on water and get Harper back, you know, sooner than later. And then hopefully, you know, put, keep everyone else relatively healthy. I think that'll be the key for them because they're already kind of banged up. So you can't really lose many more guys than that. I think eventually Schwarber will obviously come around and hit a little bit better. Um, and you know, Nick Castellanos, you know, is always kind of a guy that's a streaky, streaky hitter. So they're going to need some of those guys to step up and keep them afloat in the in the East. Yeah, and Nick Castellanos got his bat checked the other day. I don't know if you saw that. He, oh, uh, I didn't. He, uh, he got his bat checked by uh, by some team. I'm, it was. Uh, I'm looking was now. It, it was. Was it Boach? I think they played uh, the he, Rangers. So, they played the Yankees. It was the Reds. So he hit a grand okay. slam. Um, and, uh, so he hit a grand slam and then the, uh, Reds wanted to check his bat. No, he's on the Reds. No, he's no, on, he's the, on Phillies. the Phillies. He was on the Reds. The Reds wanted to check his bat. Sorry. I'm all over the place here. Um, and, were they um, checking to see if it was like the pine tar too far up? Or was it like a, we think it's corked kind of thing? What was okay, the Tyler? You're going to laugh at me right now, but I saw this on Instagram and then I just Googled it and it happened in 2021. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Check you know your sources, folks. Do you know how I realized that? Is because so I saw the Instagram reel. I was like, wow, this just happened. And the reason I said Reds is because in the video it has on this he's article on that I have Reds. pulled up, he's talking post game in front of Reds wallpaper. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, but maybe it's just Cincinnati. And then like Mike Schilt is quoted as the Cardinals manager. <laughs> so. What a great moment. <laughs> so, correction, Nick Castellanos did not get his bat checked this year. That happened years ago. Not so. yet. <laughs> I'm going to have to clip that part uh, off. No, keep it. Keep it. Everyone's got to see. You know, hey, it's early in our season, too. We're still... No, I meant clip it off and post it on social media. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> like the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, we have um, some uh, interesting times on this. Anyhow. <laughs> but a couple other kind of controversial things that have happened. Um, I, I'll let you kind of explain the, the Tyler mm-hmm. O'Neill controversy that happened with the Cardinals. Yeah, so Tyler O'Neill was at second base. Uh, and it was pretty late in the game. I believe the um, the Cardinals were, da- were down 4-1. to one. Uh, And it was late in the game. And there's a base hit to right field. Ronald Acuna is in right field. Uh, one run is in the score. Okay, there's a runner at third too, and O'Neill was coming around third, and it, you know it looked like he was either very slow or not running full a hundred percent. Um, and Acuna threw like a one hop seed to the plate, and they gunned out. Um, they gunned out Tyler O'Neill, and after the game, Ali Marmol, the manager of the Cardinals, said, "Like that can't happen. You know we." We have to have better hustle there. I'll get the exact quote uh, in a second, but he was very critical of Tyler O'Neill's hustle on that play. And Tyler O'Neill said, you know, hey, you know, I wish that, you know, this could have been discussed behind closed doors. Uh, but here's my takeaway from it. I don't think, you know, I, I think if you're a base coach, you should see his speed coming around third, and that should dictate whether you send him or not. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm interested to get your thoughts. I know you didn't you didn't see it until after, but um, and and we could get to whether calling him out publicly should be a good thing. But in terms of the initial play, yeah, I mean, I I saw the original play from because uh, I saw the replay f- mm-hmm. of uh, Acuna throwing the dart, but I didn't see that he uh, that Marmol called him out afterwards. Um, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, it didn't look like he was going full speed there, but. Uh, I wasn't aware of the controversy after, but yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, you're the third base coach. You got to kind of see how he's running. And if, if he needs to pick up a step, you got to let him know too. Uh, it's not just like ascend and hope for the best. I mean, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I'm used to watching like Tim Flannery where he'll run from third to home with the guy and let <laughs> him know if he needs to get down or not. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I think the blame can go around a little bit. It's probably not just all on O'Neill, but also, you know, especially with late in the game when your team's down by a few runs, you need to make sure you score. 
especially with a guy with with an arm like Acuna out there. Um, I think most of it probably still goes on O'Neill, but yeah, I think the the third base coach could definitely do a bit more there to let him know that uh, there's a guy with a cannon out there. You need to put a little pep in your step. Yeah, and and the thing about it is that like you know. The, the Cardinals, like, they have this thing around them where, like, they want to play the Cardinals way, you know, and there's there's a history behind the way the Cardinals historically have played, and if you don't live up to it, it puts a bad name on the organization, but I don't think O'Neal, I just think that he just wasn't, he just wasn't running well. I don't think it was a lack of effort, and Marmol after the game said, quote, that's not our style of play as far as the effort, rounding the bag there, it's unacceptable. Uh, that's what he told the Associated Press. And then after the game, uh, O'Neal, because O'Neal last year missed 46 total days, two separate injured list stints with a left hamstring injuries. Uh, and then he said, quote, I just got to get a better jump next time. And I guess just get around the ba- uh, the base a little quicker and then be in there next time. So like that's putting like him in a bit of a tough spot. I feel like those conversations should be had behind closed doors or at least be had before you talk to the media right yeah yeah especially this early in the year it's kind of weird to because now you've got what 155 games left yeah (laughs) you know it just seems a little early to be you know airing the laundry out publicly um you know maybe if it's something if it happens you know multiple times you still have to your players and you maybe you go public then and once you've addressed it internally if it doesn't kind of fix itself uh, but yeah, I mean, early in the year to be kind of calling out your players to the media, I, I could see that having a, a an impact for the rest of the year, not necessarily a good one. I mean, it could be good. It could be bad. You know, I, I think, uh, and I, Marmol's one of the younger managers yeah. in the game too. Uh, you know, so I think maybe that'll be a, a lesson learned for him as well. I think, uh, you know, if, if everyone involved could learn a lesson from it then maybe it will help the cardinals yeah and i was gonna mention that too yeah ollie marmol one of the younger managers maybe it's just something where he's like trying to put down his foot and trying to i don't want to like put it on him that he's looking for a power surge or anything but it is early in the year and i don't think it's that big of a deal frankly like especially with acuna and right field you know the conversation could have been had behind closed doors and it would have been covered up by the fact that Ronald Acuna has a cannon in right field, and he just happened to throw out the runner at the plate, you know. And yep. then we would have never heard anything about it. But the issue is brought up, and um, it's it just seems very embarrassing for for Tyler O'Neill to to deal with, and less embarrassing for the organization as a whole. So, um, and then the other the other controversy was Fernando Tatis Jr. is currently uh, getting ready to return to the big leagues. He. Uh, of course, was handed a suspension last year for performance-enhancing drugs. So he's rehabbing in AAA, and he's looking to be activated, I believe, around the 20th of the month. Um, and he homered in a in a, a AAA game against the Giants prospect. I believe his name was Cade McClure. And um, Cade McClure basically said, you know, uh, he basically called him out for cheating and, and all that, but... Did you see this at all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I, I think part of the reason why he got a little salty with it was like some reporter for the Padres said that like he's going to tell people for the rest of his life about the time he gave up a, yeah, an absolute it. bomb to Fernando Tatis. And it was just, and so then he like quote tweeted it and said, you know, like uh, to a cheater during a rehab assignment during a PED suspension, more or less, you know, basically that message, um, you know, and you know, I don't know, like a major league game and you give up a bomb to like an all-time great. I do think Padres fans are kind of putting the carriage before the horse with Tatis a lot right now. You know, they're calling, you know, he's a, if he's healthy and he's keeping his head on straight, you know, he he definitely has the tools to be a generational talent uh, and be a player we talk about forever, but they're talking about, you know, about him. Like he's Mike Trout already. I think he needs that longevity and kind of clean up his act a little bit, but you know, but like talking about how you gave up a bomb to a guy during a minor league game, I don't think he's going to be like telling his grandkids about it. So I can see why he was a little hacked off on it. And that's not even getting to the point where I think part of his thing wasn't just like, I'm not going to tell him about it because he was a, a cheater, but also like if you 
peel back the onion a little bit, like should he even be allowed to rehab with the team if he's suspended? Yeah. Well, it was a wall scraper first and foremost, by the way, just had to get that in there. It was not like 50 rows deep. Um, but should he be allowed to? Yeah, I yeah I think he should be. Um, but I will say that I can't remember a guy rehabbing a PED suspension. Can you? Like, did well, that? Ever... Uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like, if you're suspended, should you be able to rehab with the team? So, like, right when your suspension's up, you can just like join the team again, or should you have to like, okay, you can begin team activities when your suspension's up, and it's on you to stay in game shape or not if you need to. Yeah, or you get sent on a rehab assignment after the suspension's over. Exactly. It's kind of it's kind of drawing the suspension a little shorter if you're like, okay, well, you can go play these games over here um, while you're suspended from playing Major League Baseball. Because is he even actually hurt, or is he just trying to get back into game shape? I don't think he's injured. No, I think he's just trying to I... come back from the suspension. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know... Wh- yeah, it's it's goofy. I I, I it's yeah. definitely something like that I haven't really thought about before until because he was playing in Sacramento here, right here, and I I tried to I thought about going to the game, but I didn't make it over there. Uh, and a big reason why I wanted to go is because he was here. I was like, oh, like mm-hmm. see Tatis in a small stadium, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but you know, I was pretty surprised when I heard that he was starting his quote unquote rehab. <laughs> you know, here already, like first series of the year. Yeah. I think another part of it is that like a lot of these end guys seasons, right? Like a lot of them just like, so we don't, we, we normally don't see like suspensions carry over into the next season. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just, maybe they've always done this. I'd have to double check, but I can't remember the last time I saw someone rehab for a PED. Not that it should, I, I think you should well, be able yeah. to, well, I feel like a lot of it now is like it's usually minor leaguers that are getting popped now and not guys on mm-hmm. the, you know, big league roster. And up until, you know, few most few recent years, like back when like Melky Cabrera got popped, it was not like I don't think it was a set amount of time yet. It was kind of still like an arbitrary, like the team, you know, the league levies a suspension and they were just all right you're out for the rest of the year and then next year he got to like come back or whatever um yeah yeah it's weird but i mean did you have any did you have any thoughts on the tweet itself should you think he should have just ignored it or (laughs) um i i like when players like have personality on twitter and stuff but i think it probably could have been no you know what I I I don't know. I could go either way. I like what he said. I thought it was funny, but at the same time, you know, maybe you know Fernando Tatis didn't generate his success from steroids. I don't know what it implied. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I liked what he th- what he said. I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he'll be back. I, like you said, I think he'll be back in about a week and a half and then it won't really matter anymore. And we'll see. I mean, that's going to make the Padres even scarier than they are right yeah. now. And, and so... I, I do hope he's like willing to comply with the position change and not playing shortstop. I hope that he accepts it. He's a young guy. I know, you know, it probably has some effect on his ego, you know, being the guy there getting paid getting extended thinking he's going to be the guy at the premium position, but I hope that he adjusts well and, uh, and kind and of doesn't, uh, grows up. Doesn't a really bit. have, doesn't really have much of a choice now. I mean, yeah. between they already have Bogarts and he's kind of put himself in this hole, you know, if he would have never well, gotten hurt riding his motorcycle or mm-hmm. gotten suspended for PEDs, maybe they don't think, Oh, well let's shore up shortstop a little bit. And so he's kind of put himself in this position and, you know, if he's a professional, he'll he'll take it and he'll know that it, their team is a lot better for it because it's not like they just got someone else to play shortstop. They got an all-star caliber shortstop to take over there. And I think it'll keep him healthier, too, to have him in the outfield instead of it short. So I think, you know, if he can look at it with the, through the right lens, he'll see that it's uh, to his benefit. Yeah, and playing playing right field with... Or learning the outfield with limited, like desire, 
is such a big difference compared to guys that do it like that want to do it or nobody really wants to shift from the infield to the outfield but in terms of like being open-minded it helps mm-hmm. to have an open mind and there's a difference yeah. i feel visually and i don't know if tatis has had that open mind about it yet but we'll see if that's on display um and then there's been some injuries uh, in baseball. Yeah. Speaking of uh, guys who should be able to rehab with their minor league teams if they choose to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Justin Verlander um, hit the shelf with, um, I don't have the exact injury pulled up, but it is an arm injury, right? It's a shoulder deal, I believe. Um, I think him and Ray might even have the same injury. Yep. So he is targeting uh Justin Verlander's targeting an April return for um a muscle strain in his arm. So I guess he was having some soreness coming out of the gates in spring training and uh, he recently started throwing to 75%, which is funny because how do you estimate that? <laughs> yeah. Like I had, a, I I could you could estimate fifty percent, but like how does one estimate seventy five percent? You know, <laughs> does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I see why the Met. I mean, the Mets. It was kind of like a I think it was an opening day kind of announcement where they mm-hmm. announced Verlander's going on the injured list. I think they signed him for what like two years, eighty six million or something like that. Uh, we've talked about it at length already kind of on the pod that his, you know, with his age, he's like 40 already. So I could see why they're like, okay, we need to make sure this guy is, is healthy and good to go before we throw him out there. Cause if he hurts himself worse, then we're, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot, but you know, hopefully he can bounce back soon. Cause he, you know, he had a hell of a year last year. Um, and you know, it'll be kind of interesting to see the Mets at, at full strength and what that looks like with him and Scherzer at the top of the, the rotation. But I, I was pretty surprised that they kind of, it was kind of out of nowhere and they're just like, uh, Verlander on the IL. And it's just, whoa, okay. Kind of caught me off guard on opening day morning. Yeah. And the it's apparently it's in the Terry's, Terry's, Terrace. So if you're a nurse or doctor out there, please correct me on my grammar of that. But it's right like, like where, hold on, I'm going to get the, it, like right, like where the, like yeah by the shoulder if if you're listening by the shoulder and it kind of connects a little bit to like the a little bit under so like the, the like the pec muscle yeah it's like where over the front of the shoulder then that connects the shoulder like the arm to the pec kind of yeah yeah right there so yeah i mean um, i think it's probably a good thing that like they didn't shut him down he they let him still keep on a throwing program to keep his arm loose so it's not like they had to completely shut it down so hopefully for mets fans you know and and the Mets, that's a, a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, this is the worry with the uh, the Mets. I think we mentioned it on the podcast. Two guys with the combined age of like 80. Those are going to yeah. be the guys that they're going to be relying on. So um, this comes with the territory, yeah. I feel. I, I don't know if you saw opening day at City Field, too. They still they brought out a Edwin Diaz so they could announce him in front of the crowd and they played the trumpets. I think they were like, we need to we need to play the trumpets at least once this year. So they they brought him out to play the trumpets for Diaz. But yeah, I mean the the East might turn into like just who can stay healthiest. We already talked about the Phillies injuries so far. The the Mets are obviously a little banged mm-hmm. up. The Braves are a little younger, maybe a little more likely to stay healthy. Maybe that'll be the the little edge they need to stay over the over the top in that division because three three great teams and so far one of them staying healthy yeah no absolutely and the Robbie Ray injury is a grade one flexor strain uh he walked five and then only lasted three in a third innings in his debut um and he felt tightness in his forearm and then ended up getting uh diagnosed with an a grade one flexor strain after an MRI so the Mariners are without their ace are one of their aces because Luis Castillo is killing it this year, by the way, um, yeah. at the top of the, he's, he's a sneaky pick for AL Cy Young, I think. Um, but uh, those are the injuries. And then we figured we'd debut a new segment. So uh, a new segment, I got this idea from uh, Ken Rosenthal's new podcast called fair territory. And uh, Tyler and I are going to list, uh, we're going to switch off every week. One of us is going to list some winners from the week. One of us is going to list losers from the week. And I'm very excited for this segment. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I figure I think it you should know, be fun. If you're okay, I think we should call it three up, three down. Where the three the up, three down, down inning, you got to get three out. So we'll call it three up, three down to to end our episodes. Uh, you know, and and basically it's a, like a winners and losers. Um, mm-hmm. so do you want since I'm the th- the three up this week? Do you want me to to start it off? Go for it. Let's Should list them. Trade oh, off. I'm excited. Uh, so my three up. So I'm going to start with uh, Brian Reynolds from the the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, he's entering a contract year. There's been rumors of if they're going to trade him or they're going to extend him. I, I don't know if it's a contract year. Excuse me there, but he's been trying to get an extension. They've been talking about potentially just trading him, and to force the conversation, he's off to the hottest start in baseball. Love it. Hitting 448, five home runs, 13 RBIs, nine runs, a, uh, almost a 1600 OPS. So, I mean, he is just hitting like he's what, what is it? He's blowing the roof off this place. I he's think blowing the, the roof off this place. He, he is, you know, and I've seen, I saw a couple stories earlier where like pirates fans are like begging the team to extend him now. So, I mean, way to, to force the issue and, you know, I mean, he, I mean, he's always been a great player, you know, a strong player, but I mean, he is playing out of his mind right now. I mean, five home runs this early leads major, the major leagues, I believe. And, you know, I don't think he's gonna, whatever pace that is, but you know, I don't see him hitting 40 or 50, but I think he's well on his way to like a solid, you know, 30 home run season potentially. Absolutely. I love that. I love this pick and I love that he's forcing the issue after requesting the trade. Cause after you request a trade, you best not show up the first half of the year and stink. You know, that would be yeah. a bad look. So he's backing it up. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, some guys will say, like, I don't want to negotiate during the season or or whatever. And, you know, he basically demanded a trade, not because he was not happy in Pittsburgh, but because they're not offering him what he thinks he's worth. So he, he's open to an extension if it's a number he's happy with. So and the negotiations are still potentially on the table for right now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Talk about the right time to show up, as you said. 100%. So um, next uh, next up, uh, I, I'm I'm going with the pitch clock, man. Uh, you know, I said I wanted to see it a little bit more in action. I still think there's some things they could tweak. I do kind of wish maybe it was that 20 seconds all the time instead of 15 when the bases are empty. Um, and then maybe kind of, I feel like a lot of the, the violations are like starting an inning or starting an, you know, an appearance, I think maybe some better communication with a guy when the clock starts, but, um, but, you know, I think it, it is kind of making it really crisp to watch games. You kind of stay more engaged instead of like zoning out. And, you know, sometimes I like to be able to just kind of zone out and pay attention when I feel like it, but, you know, I think right now. From what I've seen, I, I like it. What are yeah. you What are you feeling there? So I have been, as you know, the most inconsistent critic and supporter of the pitch clock, <laughs> um, and I got a chance to witness it on opening day yesterday for the very first time. And from a fan perspective, I love it. I love the pace. Uh, if we want to include the defensive shift rules, there was you know moments where we saw like hidden run type plays yesterday between the Giants and the Royals. Uh, but in terms of the pitch clock, it was good. I, I do agree with you. I do think it should be 20 seconds. And I would also argue that there's people in the league office that feel the same way, but there's also the thought of, okay, the cat's already out of the bag. We can't turn back. It would look weird. Uh, so I don't know yeah. if that would happen, but I, I do think 20 seconds for both runners on and runners off would be cool. It would flow a little bit better. It would give hitters a little bit more time to stand in the box. Cause that's been the problem. I don't think we're going to see a whole ton of pitch violations from the pitcher. I think we're yeah. going to see a lot more from the hitter, which was like not really anticipated, I guess when this rule was first announced. Um, but from a writing perspective, like definitely got to start writing a lot earlier. Cause I'll be working on like one paragraph and then the half inning's over, you know, it's there, yeah, there's yeah. different, you got to hurry up a little bit when it comes to, to writing there. But as a fan, I loved it. You know, I love the pace, um, but um, it could change I mean, a little bit, maybe. Yeah, but there's definitely been, you know, a little bit of, I don't know if controversy is the right call, but, you know, Manny Machado got thrown out of a game already for kind of being unhappy with it. I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be mostly the hitters because it is also kind of like a judgment thing for like the umpire to say, oh, well, you weren't looking at the pitcher. And we kind of saw that in the Giants uh, White Sox game where, 
Tim Anderson said he didn't look at Logan Webb and Logan Webb said he did. And then the video kind of clearly shows that he did. But, you know, kind of that whole eight second, uh, you know, cut off for the batter, I think will be the the big thing. And then, uh, you know, the face of baseball, Shohei Otani, the first player ever to have a, a violation as a hitter and a pitcher in the same game. Yeah. And one um, thing that I also noticed from being there, and, and this is funny, uh, and I didn't realize this would be a big deal, but hitters are taking a lot of timeouts. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, occasionally a guy will call. No, they do it quite a bit. And the umpire literally, like, it's the biggest deal when there's a timeout called. Because, like, when they call a timeout, I think it's like a violation. I'm like, oh my God, a violation. Oh, yeah. He, no- like, they like step out and wave their hands yeah, all they around. They step out, walk like almost in front of the plate, and then do the, you know, and then make the signal or whatever signal they make. And, like, literally, I keep, I was like, God, another violation. And then I'm like, oh, he's just calling a timeout. But it is the most yeah. dramatic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> When when a hitter's call and in Machado's case, it probably was on him because he tried to call a timeout with eight seconds left. You know, Anderson again probably on him, but you got to be ready. And and I feel like you know pitchers are using the argument that if you're in the batter's box, you know all is all is welcome. But I'm interested yeah. to see how this progresses and see what adjustments not really the pitchers make, but the hitters. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but to me, I do think, you know, like I said, I wanted to see it before I, you know, had a full on judgment. And so far, a weekend still subject to change, but I'm calling it a winner because I think it's, it's, you know, kept a a pretty good pace to the game. It doesn't feel super rushed. Um, It just feels like it's a briskly played game. So um, as far as, you know, how bad it could have been, I'll, I'll take it. I'm going to call it a win. And then, uh, last up for three up, I'm going with the fans. We have baseball again, man. Like you said, you know, we had a sellout at PNC, you know, the first day of the year, everyone's tied for first place. We, uh, we're watching our favorite teams out there again. And so, you know, if there's ever a week where fans everywhere are a winner, it's, uh, it's the first week of the season. And so I'm just stoked to, you know, be able to throw on the MLB app and see that, uh, you know, we have a game to turn on. Uh, if you're a Giants fan, it's always during the day right now. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, me and a couple of buddies have started a thing. Shout out to Max and Hal, where like, if we're watching a game and we see a home run live with our own eyes, we tweet or we tweet, we text our, our little, the three of us, like who we saw. So like throughout the day, you know, one of us is watching a, a random game and we'll text out, you know, like Patrick wisdom, like, Oh wow. Like <laughs> that guy's watching the the Cubs game. Okay. Uh, you know? And so it's just great to be able to have a ball game on. Have you guys you done know? that at the same time? Like where you're both watching the same game and you guys both text the same name? Uh, we haven't yet. I'm sure we have been watching the same game and seen it, but no one's like texted the same name twice. I think it's kind of like a first come first serve kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty, yeah. Three up. Th- those are the three up. I like all the choices for sure. Um, and now the three down. So these are kind of like the, what are you doing kind of moment and 95, seven, the game with Mark Willard, they have a segment where it's called, what are you doing? And they list out all like the crazy people throughout the week, but so it's kind of like shacked in a fool. Yeah. Shacked in the fool. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, so shut down inning three up, three down. We did the up. Let's do the down. My first down is going to be Javier Baez. Okay. So when, when the, uh, when Javier Baez was first signed by the Tigers, I was a little hesitant, especially at the price. Uh, it was over 150, uh, $50 million. And he just, I, I never thought that he was the guy that everybody says that he is. And he's in his 10th year at the big league level. Um, and he's opening out of the gate so poor with the bat. He's, you know, two for, for what is it? 25, two for 25 with a negative 33 OPS plus. That's an OPS of 328. He's done virtually nothing. Um, you know, defensively, is he gifted? Yes. But I just don't think that he is good. You know, I hate to say, I, I just don't think he's good. Um, and I would normally not say that about a player, uh, especially a guy that has had the success that Bias has had, two all-star appearances, you know, World Series of Gold Glove, Silver Sluggers, but I just don't see it with him and in Detroit, you know, I don't know what they're gonna do with this contract, but I wouldn't be shocked if um he doesn't make it through it. I know that's yeah, tough. I, mean, 
out of yeah, the game. I mean, but... I, I've never really been a big Baez guy either. I think playing at Wrigley kind of helped his offensive numbers quite a bit when he was a younger guy with the Cubs. He's always been kind of a free swinger too. So, you know, if you can put the ball in the air at Wrigley, you'll get a few extra bombs. Uh, yeah, I mean, because the Tigers have a lot of young guys who are, they might be competitive a little sooner than a lot of people think. And so it's like, okay, are you going to get the spot with Baez, you know, and pay him who knows how much? I mean, the problem with that is with the contract is they're probably going to pay it whether he's on the team or not. They're either going to have to cut him or trade him and eat most of it anyway. Um, but it's like they're going to have to make a decision eventually on Baez. And yeah, like, like you mentioned, I don't know if he'll finish it with the, the Tigers. Yeah, pretty, pretty rough start. Hope he turns it around because when he is on, he is one of the more electric players in the game for sure. Um, and then my number two down for uh, three up, three down is Chris Sale. Chris Sale has had a rough go around the past few years. He has not been healthy. He's finally black. He, he's finally back, and uh, he's made two starts so far, and he didn't make it through the fourth inning in the first one. He threw three innings against the Orioles and allowed seven earned runs, two walks. He struck out six of so the stuff, looking like it's still there, but not a great debut for him in 2023. And then against the Tigers in Detroit, he gave up three earned runs in five innings. A little bit better of a start, seven strikeouts, but statistically in the very early goings he is one of the worst pitchers in the American League and I hate to say that because it's two starts in and another guy that I hope turns it around but 11.25 ERA for Chris Sale strikeouts per nine are good but I'm I'm a little bit worried about uh, what he could do for the Red Sox this year and I think the Red Sox in general just have a disgustingly bad rotation yeah I mean they have pretty much a rotation of question marks they've got like kluber as well it's like yeah you know if this was the ro- if this was their rotation like six or seven years ago they'd be stoked <laughs> let's go um yeah but yeah you know i think it'll be interesting because he's been battling injuries for a couple years you know he he could find it i mean he, i think he's definitely a candidate for like a comeback player of the year potentially if he can stay healthy and kind of find it again but yeah, like I mean, what eleven point two five ERA you said so far this year? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not going to get it done. But I think you know he could get back ish. You know, if he can keep his ERA ERA around like four instead of probably in like the high twos, low threes like he's used to. I think he's he still has that strikeout stuff. Uh, so I think he could bounce back. I, I would have more faith in him having a good year than Baez to kind of compare the two so far. Yeah. Here's one thing that I didn't know about uh, Sale. If he did not get hurt in 2000, let's see, when was it? 2019, 2020-ish. He could put himself in the conversation for the Hall of Fame. He could have. Because I'm looking at it now, he had like seven years in a row of top five Cy Young finishes in the American League, which is insane. I didn't even know that. Um, so, I mean, not probably not probably not an option at this point. 34 years old, but... Um, I would like to see him turn it around, maybe. Um, ironically, he did win that second game, I believe, his second start. So he doesn't have a win, so it's not a complete down, but I did want to get a pitcher in there to round mm-hmm. out this list. And then my final one is Anthony Rendon. Okay, Anthony Rendon, if you didn't see it, there's a confrontation that he had with a fan in Oakland where the Oakland fan called him a bitch, apparently, and Anthony Rendon grabbed him by his shirt and appeared to like take a swipe at him. Now it would not have been an impactful punch. It was not that capacity, but nonetheless, you do not go after a fan. It made him look bad. It made the angels look bad. He was suspended five games because of it. And I will say the fan might be a loser too in this situation because don't, you know, don't, it's probably not a great idea to call someone out like that. Um, especially uh, you know, someone you're close to. Because you might not know what they're thinking or going through. But Anthony Rendon probably shouldn't have acted. So there might be two losers in this scenario. But uh... Yeah, I think they're both losers. I mean, we kind of talked about it uh, a couple episodes ago when we talked about, you know, booing. And I said, you know, I just don't like profanity at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not the only person there. Just because you bought a ticket doesn't mean you get to say and do whatever you want. At least get creative with it. Like, you know, calling someone a bitch. Like, 
And also, like you said, you know, you don't in close proximity in Oakland, if you're <laughs> listening, you're not familiar, like the, the players have to walk basically through a tunnel like, you know, uh, structure to get from the dugout to the clubhouse and the fan, they have access to the fans. The fans have access to the players that so where mm-hmm. Rendon was able to kind of on his way to the clubhouse, grab this guy. And, you know, also, you know, like I've said, I don't have people sitting at, behind me at my job yelling at me. If I make a mistake, I don't have people cursing at me, um, you know, just get creative with it. At least, you know, have some fun with it and don't, don't be derogatory. So I'd say the fan's definitely a loser. Uh, but yeah, Rendon has to know better than to take a swing at the fan. I think his suspension got reduced to four games. Uh, it's <laughs> a weird process, isn't it? Yeah. The appeal process. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I've always wondered like, okay, we're going to suspend you for five appeal. It will give it, will go yeah. to four. Um, the process of gra- uh, grabbing the shirt. That's probably one. Uh, yeah. The swipe was probably two games. You know, it's, yeah, but, like if it would have been a closed fist swing, is it like a seven game suspension? Um, yeah, but maybe add, yeah, maybe you know, add and a also, half in there, like seven and a half. Yeah, comes back in yeah. like the fifth inning. He's able to be subbed in in the middle of the game, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, it was just kind of a weird situation because I can kind of see like why Rendon was upset, but that doesn't necessarily because also that just kind of opens him up to hear crap you know, for the rest of the year, not even just from A's fans, but on the road anywhere. Now people are going to be like, Oh, I can press this guy's buttons. So, you know, if you need to do what they do in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Just get the guy thrown out of this, of the stadium or something like they do in the NBA. I've seen that quite a few times this year where a guy sitting courtside's mouthing off to a player, probably saying some magic words and they get him kicked out. Like do that kind of under the radar instead of, you know, and if you're the fan, boo, like boo, just boo. That's yeah. all you need to do. Boo. Add in a you suck. Like that's fine. Boo, you suck. Don't like, you know, there, yeah. there's a line that that is one you know. the one thing I did think was weird though is watching that video when and they show like Rendon grab the guy's shirt is like there's like five or six angels that like see it and just keep walking past. They don't like stop and hey man, let's go, let's keep walking. Otani walked by, Trout walked by. It's just like you got to like grab your dude and like keep him moving. Like what nothing positive is going to happen from your teammate grabbing a fan. <laughs> yeah. If anything, you could have helped reduce the suspension or yeah. kept there from being a suspension at all. You know, yeah. I, I think if like he got heated with a fan and maybe momentarily grabbed them, but was held back before the swipe happened, then you could argue he could have, you know, it could have just been a thing that didn't even result in a suspension. Yeah, probably like a fine or something. But once you take a swing, whether it's like a swipe or whatever yeah. you want to call it, I wouldn't even call it like he tried to punch him. It was more like a it looked like he was trying to like slap the hat off of his head or something. Um, yeah, you shouldn't put any yeah. like hands on yeah. a fan though. Yeah, when once it comes you do to, that, it's over. Yeah, when it comes to like the uh, with like because these guys are you know these people are paying to watch you play, um, and they're taking time out of their day to be there. Yeah. Um, so you shouldn't lay a hand on fans, but I will not victimize the fan either because obviously Anthony Rendon has no history of doing this. You know, yeah. he's not a guy who's regular. Like he was in a brawl a few years ago with the, uh, with the Mariners. I saw that claim out there, but like, we, we don't know enough to know that he has a temper. Like if anything, yeah. I thought he was the most quietest guy on the planet when he was with Washington. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. And like, you know, we've said before, you know, maybe not on the podcast, but like you know, people like to talk about athletes mostly on like Twitter and stuff. It's like, would you say that to their face? And, you know, maybe you do give credit to the guy for that. <laughs> yeah. Well that, but also like, you know, the people like to say whatever they want on Twitter because they know that the, the, player doesn't really have any recourse you know so maybe 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 the player should be able to like challenge a guy to like a you know a two-minute round of boxing if they're mouthing off to him no just joking obviously but but you know it's kind of like yeah it's tough it's such a weird situation because like i could see why the hit by the players upset you know i guess like you said maybe props to the fan for saying it to their but he did say, like when Rodone was holding him, he's like, "You were calling me a bitch all game, huh?" And the guy was like, "No, no, 
like so he like once he got <laughs> once he got like you know pressed on it no, and, no. and Radone called him on it he backed he backtracked really quick so it's like you know it's yeah. you want to go try that tyler like we could go show up to it like oracle park or something we could test it with with an opponent uh i'm good <laughs> we could try not really my cup of tea. Like I said, I'm the friendly heckler when I when I go. If I do a, if I do heckle, it's usually just to kind of joke around and mostly just to keep things light and and now that would be an image shift. That would be a total image shift. The guy that was known for like very uh innocently holding the imaginary K by the K signs, all of a sudden turning into like getting in a physical altercation with a player. That would be just a complete 360. <laughs> Or one eighty. Well, the, the thing is, too, is like I'm also not an idiot, and I know that any professional athlete could probably beat the you know what out of me. Yeah. So like I'm not trying to start anything, and they're also way better at baseball than I am. So it's not like I really have much to actually like talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I could see you if can the... do it, Steven. You know, you you, you have access. Them. Go go into the club, the visiting clubhouse after the next game. Uh, who you're covering the Dodgers game on Wednesday? Dodgers game on Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like just walk up to Will Smith and call him a bitch. See how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh or write about something or write bad about them and then just show up to their locker and don't do anything and just stand there and look at them. I know you read hold that. Up. Yeah. Hold up the story. <laughs> hold up the I yeah, I know you read what I wrote. Tell me what you think about it. No, that would be that'd be pretty bad. You'll, don't you'll, do that. Then you'll become like a legend because you'll get a Dodger suspended. Everybody wins. Yeah, exactly. Um, any ha- and then I could ask to see if their bat uh, needs to be checked out for any substances in the bat. God, what yeah. a mess that was earlier. Uh, oh, man. Anyhow, Tyler, I think we shut it down again. Yeah, three up, three down. Yeah. Shut down inning. Hopefully we don't get charged with conspiracy. <laughs> or I get charged with con- conspiracy. You didn't do anything. I did. <laughs> yeah. Talking I guess about- I'm... Guilty by association, I guess. Yeah, joking about assaulting players on the field. Yeah, we won't do that, <laughs> FBI, if you're out there. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, shut it down again. Um, you could follow us on social media at Twitter on Twitter at shutdown underscore inning. Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast, go check us out. And um, yeah, enjoy uh, more guests soon. So to be determined, look out for that. More shows soon. And uh, we will see you next time. That's what's up.